This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Have you ever wondered if your cultural lens affects the way you read and interpret scripture? For example, when Paul exhorted women to dress modestly, what did he really mean? Stick around after today's Bible reading to find out. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Presented by Innervar City Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 12, through 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. 1 Samuel chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Eli dies. On that day, a Benjamite ran from the battle lines and came to Shiloh. His clothes were torn and dirt was on his head. When he arrived in Shiloh, Eli was sitting in his chair on the lookout by the side of the road, for he was worried about the ark of God. As the man entered the city to give his report, the whole city cried out. When Eli heard the outcry, he said, What's this commotion? The man quickly came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes looked straight ahead. He was unable to see. The man said to Eli, I am the one who came from the battle lines. Just today I fled from the battle lines. Eli asked, How did things go, my son? The messenger replied, Israel has fled from the Philistines. The army has suffered a great defeat. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. The Ark of God has been captured. When he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell backward from his chair beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was old and heavy. He had judged Israel for 40 years. His daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and close to giving birth. When she heard that the Ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she doubled over and gave birth. But her labor pains were too much for her. As she was dying, the women who were there with her said, Don't be afraid. You have given birth to a son. But she did not reply or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, referring to the capture of the Ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, The glory has departed from Israel because the Ark of God has been captured. First Samuel chapter 5 God sends trouble for the Philistines who have the ark. Now the Philistines had captured the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. The Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the temple of Dagon, where they positioned it beside Dagon. When the residents of Ashdod got up early the next day, 
Dagon was lying on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him back in his place. But when they got up early the following day, Dagon was lying down on the ground before the ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and his two hands were sheared off and were lying at the threshold. Only Dagon's body was left intact. For this reason, to this very day, neither Dagon's priests nor anyone else who enters Dagon's temple steps on Dagon's threshold in Ashdod. The Lord attacked the residents of Ashdod severely bringing devastation on them. He struck the people of both Ashdod and the surrounding areas with sores. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, The ark of the God of Israel should not remain with us, for he has attacked both us and our God, Dagon. So they assembled all the leaders of the Philistines and asked, What should we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They replied, The ark of the God of Israel should be moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel. But after it had been moved, the Lord attacked that city as well, causing a great deal of panic. He struck all of the people of that city with sores. So they sent the ark of God to Ekron. But when the ark of God arrived at Ekron, the residents of Ekron cried out saying, They have brought the ark of the God of Israel here to kill our people. So they assembled all the leaders of the Philistines and said, Get the ark of the God of Israel out of here. Let it go back to its own place so that it won't kill us and our people. The terror of death was throughout the entire city. God was attacking them very severely. The people who did not die were struck with sores. The city's cry for help went all the way up to heaven. 1 Samuel chapter 6. The Philistines return the ark. When the ark of the Lord had been in the land of the Philistines for seven months, the Philistines called the priests and the omen readers saying, what should we do with the ark of the Lord? Advise us as to how we should send it back to its place. They replied, if you are going to send the ark of the God of Israel back, don't send it away empty. Be sure to return it with a guilt offering. Then you will be healed and you will understand why his hand has not been removed from you. They inquired, what is the guilt offering that we should send to him? They replied, the Philistine leaders, number five. So send five gold sores and five gold mice, for it is the same plague that has afflicted both you and your leaders. You should make images of the sores and images of the mice that are destroying the land. You should honor the God of Israel. Perhaps he will release his grip on you, your gods, and your land. Why harden your hearts like the Egyptians and Pharaoh did? When God treated them harshly, didn't the Egyptians send the Israelites on their way? So now go and make a new cart. Get two cows that have calves and that have never had a yoke placed on them. Harness the cows to the cart and take their calves from them back to their stalls. Then take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put in a chest beside it the gold objects you are sending to him as a guilt offering. You should then send it on its way, but keep an eye on it. If it should go up by the way of its own border to Beth Shemesh, then he has brought this great calamity on us. But if that is not the case, then we will know that it was not his hand that struck us. Rather, it just happened to us by accident. So the men did as instructed. They took two cows that had calves and harnessed the cows to a cart. They also removed their calves to their stalls. They put the ark of the Lord on the cart, along with the chest, the gold mice, and the images of the sores. Then the cows went directly on the road to Beth Shemesh. They went along that route, bellowing more and more. They turned neither to the right nor to the left. The leaders of the Philistines were walking along behind them all the way to the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the residents of Beth Shemesh were harvesting wheat in the valley. When they looked up and saw the ark, they were pleased at the sight. The cart was coming to the field of Joshua, who was from Beth Shemesh. It paused there near a big stone. They cut up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the chest that was with it, which contained the gold objects. They placed them near the big stone. At that time, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. The five leaders of the Philistines watched what was happening and then returned to Ekron on the same day. These are the gold swords that the Philistines brought as a guilt offering to the Lord, one for each of the following cities. 
Ashdod, Gaza, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. The gold mice corresponded in number to all the Philistine cities of the five leaders, from the fortified cities to hamlet villages to greater Abel. They positioned the Ark of the Lord on a rock until this very day in the field of Joshua, who was from Beth Shemesh. But the Lord struck down some of the people of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the Ark of the Lord. He struck down 50,070 of the men. The people grieved because the Lord had struck the people with a hard blow. The residents of Beth Shemesh asked, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? To whom will the ark go up from here? So they sent messengers to the residents of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down here and take it back home with you. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1-2 through 2. Then the people of Kiriath-Jerim came and took the Ark of the Lord. They brought it to the house of Abinadab, located on the hill. They consecrated Eliezer, his son, to guard the Ark of the Lord. It was quite a long time, some twenty years in all, that the Ark stayed at Kiriath-Jerim. All the people of Israel longed for the Lord. New Testament reading. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 21. A call to repent. Now there were some present on that occasion who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He answered them, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 who were killed when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Warning to Israel to bear fruit. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the worker who tended the vineyard, For three years now I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and each time I inspect it, I find none. Cut it down. Why should it continue to deplete the soil? But the worker answered him, Sir, leave it alone this year too, until I dig around it and put fertilizer on it. Then if it bears fruit next year, very well. But if not, you can cut it down. Healing on the Sabbath. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten herself up completely. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. Then he placed his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. But the president of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the crowd, There are six days on which work should be done. So come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from its stall and lead it to water? Then shouldn't this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be released from this imprisonment on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his adversaries were humiliated, but the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing on the kingdom of God. Thus Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? To what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, grew and became a tree, and the wild birds nested in its branches. Again, he said, To what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all the dough had risen. John chapter 9 Healing a Man Born Blind 
Now as Jesus was passing by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who committed the sin that caused him to be born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but he was born blind so that the acts of God may be revealed through what happens to him. We must perform the deeds of the one who sent me as long as it is daytime. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. He smeared the mud on the blind man's eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So the blind man went away and washed and came back seeing. Then the neighbors and the people who had seen him previously as a beggar began saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some people said, This is the man. While others said, no, but he looks like him. The man himself kept insisting, I am the one. So they asked him, how then were you made to see? He replied, the man called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and was able to see. They said to him, where is that man? He replied, I don't know. The Pharisees' reaction to the healing They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. Now the day on which Jesus made the mud and caused him to see was a Sabbath. So the Pharisees asked him again how he had gained his sight. He replied, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I am able to see. Then some of the Pharisees began to say, this man is not from God because he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who was a sinner perform such miraculous signs? Thus, There was a division among them. So again they asked the man who used to be blind, What do you say about him, since he caused you to see? He is a prophet, the man replied. Now the Jewish leaders refused to believe that he had really been blind and had gained his sight until, at last, they summoned the parents of the man who had become able to see. They asked the parents, Is this your son whom you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? So his parents replied, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know how he is now able to see, nor do we know who caused him to see. Ask him. He is a mature adult. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jewish religious leaders. For the Jewish leaders had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Christ will be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is a mature adult. Ask him. Then they summoned the man who used to be blind a second time and said to him, Promise before God to tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, I do not know whether he is a sinner. I do know one thing, that although I was blind, now I can see. Then they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he cause you to see? He answered, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You people don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They heaped insults on him, saying, You are his disciple? We are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. We do not know where this man comes from. The man replied, This is a remarkable thing, that you don't know where he comes from, and yet he caused me to see? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is devout and does his will, God listens to him. Never before has anyone heard of someone causing a man born blind to see. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They replied, you were born completely in sinfulness, and yet you presume to teach us? So they threw him out. The man's response to Jesus. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. So he found the man and said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man replied, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus told him, You have seen him. He is the one speaking with you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that those 
who do not see may gain their sight, and the ones who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and asked him, We are not blind too, are we? Jesus replied, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now, because you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. God, I thank you. Thank you for your word, O God. Just reading the ways, O Lord God. You don't play about holiness, O God. Seeing Eli's uh, reaction and just the mounting and compounding suffering of not only children dying, O God, but the Ark of the Covenant being captured, O God, and his reaction above all else to the Ark of God being captured. And he was in such shock and just mortified by that, that he fell back from his chair in his old age and broke and his neck broke. My goodness. Wow. Wow. What imagery, oh God, there. And just the response, oh God, from the community who was horrified, horrified that the ark of God had been captured and taken away, oh God. Would you help us, oh Lord God, to long, oh God, for your presence, oh God, to not take your presence for granted, oh God, to not take for granted, oh God, that we have the presence of God. If we believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, oh God, and that we are now temples, temples of you, the living God, living inside of us, oh God. Would you help us, oh God, to live lives that reflect that, oh God? Would you help us not to become pharisaical, oh God, and and think, oh God, that we know so much and that we know so much about the word and the gospel and the faith and the Christian faith, oh Lord God, that we become like the Pharisees, oh Lord God, who are blind to their own legalism and and hypocrisy, oh God, and, and we're not able to recognize, oh Lord Jesus the Christ, oh God, for who he is sent from God. They were not able. And yet these were supposed to be the experts, the very religious people that were able to do this, oh God. And I love how the blind, well, the once blind man is just giving them, oh Lord, a a workshop on apologetic and showing them, oh God, that they don't know much at all if they're not able to see. Only one sent from God, Jesus Christ could do that to make a man born blind able to see. Thank you. Thank you, God. Would you help us to continue to look to you? Would you help us, O God, to search ourselves, O Lord God, and to resist, O Lord, that urge, O Lord God, toward legalism, that urge, O God, toward self-righteousness, O Lord God. Would you help us to live lives, O God, that are marked by humility, O Lord God, and where we have a posture of continually bowing down before your presence, O God, and living in light of the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So I pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. In their book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, biblical scholars Brandon O'Brien and E. Randolph Richards shed light on the ways that Western readers often misunderstand the cultural dynamics of the Bible. When Paul exhorted women to dress modestly, he was likely not referring to racy clothing, but instead, he was most likely concerned about economic modesty, that Christian women not flaunt their wealth through expensive clothes, braided hair, and gold jewelry. Getting beyond our cultural assumptions is increasingly important for being Christians in our interconnected 
oriented and globalized world, learn to read scripture as a member of the global body of Christ with the book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, The Word. That's promo code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivpress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag TruthsTable. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. Let's go, so I'll take to sleep.